Holy Week uh, is a bit of a roller coaster ride. It starts on a high, right? And it gets as low as you can go. And then there's resurrection, marvelous resurrection. Holy Week was a torturous journey for both Jesus and his followers. It was filled with doubt and worry, praise, betrayal, profound sadness, skepticism, and hope. And some of the same people who cheered him on Sunday were calling for his death on Friday. Go figure, huh? This week, I, as I always do, I try to put myself into the biblical story, asking the question, well, who do I most identify with in this story? And, is, and it was easy. I identified with the crowd. I asked myself the question, would I have stayed or would I have bailed on Jesus somewhere along the way? And that's the question we're going to pose throughout this sermon. Years ago, I worked for the city of Minneapolis. I was in college, 19 years old, and then when I was 20, two summers I worked for them. And, and you have to picture this, because this will be hard if you know me, to think of me. Can you, I, I, I was actually a hippy-dippy college kid. <laughs> Long hair, <laughs> you know, the mustache, no beard. It wouldn't come in quite yet. Uh, uh, had a gigantic peace symbol that I wore just about every, everywhere with me. I was just one of those people. And in God's providence, he assigned me this hippy-dippy protesting nut <laughs> to go to work for the city of Minneapolis Police Department. <laughs> And I wrote grants for them, and it was a marvelous two summers. I mean, it, it really, really was, uh, just marvelous things. Uh, and I wrote a grant, helped write a grant uh, uh, called, for a thing called the Ride Along Program. And what it was is uh, people, citizens, could go out on a patrol with cops. And it was, it was a good program. And the police brass were so pleased with the amount of money we got in the grant, decided that I should become the poster boy for the, the program. And uh, they wanted me on the front cover of the brochure. And I wasn't really too sure about that, but they didn't give me any choice. So one day, I was out on a street corner in the city of Minneapolis with a patrolman who was a friend of mine. Uh, we, were, we had his patrol car. And a, photographer. About a half block away, there was a small hundred people or so uh, uh, protest going on against the Vietnam War. Uh, and uh, we were taking pictures and whatnot. And the cop I was with said, those are the people that we need to have on our ride-along program because there's unrest between us and I bet we could learn from each other. Uh, and I, and then the rest of the conversation went like this. I said, well, why don't we just figure out a way to get them to come over here? And the officer said, great idea. How are we going to make that happen? I said, easy. Cuff me. <laughs> the officer looks at me and says, really? I said, yeah, cuff me. So he cuffed me. And he says, now what? Now why I was leading this charge, I don't know. <laughs> and I said, trust me. And then I cuffed. I threw myself on the hood of the car and started yelling for help as loud as I could. <laughs> the officer looks at me and he goes, seriously? <laughs> and I said, look, it's working. And they look really mad. 
And he says, now what? And I says, I have no clue. I usually have really bad ideas. <laughs> Needless to say, we got our crowd. They stayed long enough to make sure I was okay. Laugh a little bit about our scam. <laughs> Heard about the ride-along program, and they just left. Crowds, I found, are there one minute and gone the next. Or as Jesus discovered, he's today, he, he's, he, they're here today and then gone tomorrow. And Jesus found that out in some very, very painful ways. So we're going to spend our time looking at the crowd. The crowd during Holy Week and try to see ourselves in that story. But I want to start the story a little bit before the triumphal entry. Earlier in Luke... I don't know how many days earlier. We don't really know. We have Jesus taking the 12 off to the side, and he says, i got to tell you something. This is really important. Listen to, me. Listen to me. We're on our way up to Jerusalem. Everything written in the prophets about the Son of Man will take place. He will be handed over to the Romans, jeered at me, sport of, and spit on. Then after giving him the third degree, they will kill him. But in three days, he will rise alive. But then it goes on, the scripture says, but they didn't get it. It just kind of went whoosh, over there, you know. They just didn't get it. Uh, could not make heads nor tails of what he was talking about. Now, we get it because we know the totality of the story. We know the Son of Man is Jesus himself. The s disciples were scratching their heads. I could just see them talking among themselves afterwards going, who's this dude called the Son of Man? I don't want to go, to, I'm glad we're not going to Jerusalem with him. He sounds really, really dangerous. And it's a good thing they didn't get it. If they did, if they really did know and really did understand that the Son of Man was Jesus himself, would they have gone anywhere near Jerusalem? Jesus knew what was waiting for him in Jerusalem. It was going to be yet another face-off with the devil who wanted to discredit him and even had the audacity to think he could destroy Jesus. And even though Jesus triumphed during the showdown in the desert that Dan talked so beautifully about at the start of his ministry journey, even though he faced the enemy who wore a variety of disguises during a three-year public ministry, he was now going to face off against evil once again in Jerusalem. And it would force Satan and his evil henchmen to play their final and most lethal hand. Now, the people of Israel were looking for someone to believe in. They were looking for a Messiah king, someone who would break the chains of Roman tyranny, protect their borders, establish a benevolent monarchy, all under the rule of God. More than a few hoped that the Savior would come marching in on a white horse, long sword, thousands of chariots, legions of soldiers, a Savior who would establish God's rule and usher in peace and prosperity while crushing anyone and anything that stood in his way. Of course, Zechariah, in the reading that we just did, foretells not a warrior god, but rather a humble king riding on a donkey who's had it with war. <laughs> and this is the Jesus that came to Jerusalem. That, that day had come, the king was here, and the crowd was large. Crowds can be intoxicating. I've had the opportunity to speak to some big crowds of people and if you're not careful, it can go to your head. You've really got to be prayerful before that. 
And if somebody has an entourage, well, they might be able to handle it perfectly well, but the entourage might start thinking the applause is really partly for them. You know, I can imagine the disciples coming in, you know, walking along, waving, you know. Can you, can you picture them with that big old, you know, that big old we're with him smiles on their face, you know, kind of pointing to themselves. I can picture a reporter coming out from somebody from the Jerusalem Gazette or CNN Israel or Fox News Holy Land coming up to Peter and saying, are you with him? Well, at that time, you would say what? Yeah, yeah, I, I'm with them. I'm with them. I'm with them. And waving and saying thanks to people. I'm with them. Uh, what's your name? He says, well, it's kind of complicated. He says, I, I used to be known as Simon, and then Jesus changed my name to Peter. And, but in, in private, when it's just us guys together, he calls me the rock. <laughs> and he says, what's your role? Well, you know, we're, we're all disciples. We're all in this together, but... Don't tell this to James and John, but uh, when push comes to shove, Jesus really sees me as his chief of staff. So if you need anything, you come right to me. <laughs> Big crowds can be intoxicating. They can go to your head, right? You can, I can imagine what it's like. I'm, you know, famous people, I, I feel for them sometimes. And big crowds can also be fickle. Building a crowd is a lot easier than keeping it. I once heard, I heard this past week of a pastor who said something from his pulpit, just a throwaway line, something about the age of the earth. And he lost 40% of his people within one month. The crowd can be fickle. Jesus drew big crowds on hillsides, along lake shores, in synagogues, and in village squares. And he was somebody. There was people all around him. And now here they are. In Jerusalem, a big crowd. We say is today a huge crowd, right? It was filled with the curious, the committed, people looking to be healed. There were disciples and there were skeptics. And the size of the crowd had swelled because this was Passover and pilgrims were pouring into Jerusalem. Now I've noticed something else about crowds. Crowds like winners. They like upbeat. Crowds don't like to be inconvenienced. Crowds like their ears tickle. Crowds play follow the leader. A crowd doesn't handle a change of circumstance very well. And crowds like their leaders to play to them, to tell them what they're eager to hear. And the problem was this. Jesus was never about the crowd. Never. He was never very good at telling them what they wanted to hear. Instead, he told people what they needed to hear. He wasn't looking for fans, he was looking for followers. In many ways, Holy Week tested Jesus' resolve and faith. It also tested the resolve and faith of the crowd who said they were for him. And if we do Holy Week right, it should probably test our own faith and our own resolve. You see, not everyone was cheering on Palm Sunday, the Pharisees didn't buy the idea that Jesus was the fulfillment of prophecy. They saw Jesus as a competitor, a meddler, and a peddler of false doctrine. And all they wanted to do was reign on this parade. In the midst of Jesus' moment, did you notice that in the scripture? In the midst of Jesus' moment, they stopped the procession and demanded that Jesus rebuke his disciples for their boisterous praise. 
And his response was to say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And then he said to the Pharisees, you know, if, if they don't cry out, the stones themselves will have to cry out. Why, why would he say that? Because this is a big moment. The king of kings, the Lord of lords, the creator of all, was coming into the holy city of Jerusalem. The king was there in the holiest of cities, and there just had to be a response. And if there weren't people cheering on the silence, Jesus said the structures of the city, they would have to cry out themselves because the Lord was here. And in other words, Jesus said to the Pharisees, no, I am not going to ask them to shut up. And as the procession moves on, Jesus breaks down in tears and prophetically says that hard days are ahead for Jerusalem. And when the procession ended, Jesus immediately went into the temple courts. When Jesus entered the temple courts, he began to drive out those who were selling and said, it is written, he said to them, my house will be a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of robbers. A day or two later in Holy Week, according to Luke, Jesus is asked whether or not the Jews should pay homage to Caesar. He asks for a coin. On it is a picture of Caesar. Jesus said, give to Caesar what's due Caesar, to God what is due God. Well, Jesus was doing this this entire week. He was saying to his foes, and he was telling his friends. He was speaking to his old enemy, the devil, Game's on. Game's on. I'm here. There's choices to be made. The joyous celebration to Jerusalem had to be something wonderful. Big crowd, big noise. The Lord had come. He's here. Watch out. This is the big time. But by the end of the week, there was only a handful of people in dead silence. What happened to the crowd? Here's what I think. I think that when Jesus confronted the Pharisees during his ride into town, there were more than a few that got nervous. <laughs> and they just walked away. Hey, we're here for the party. This confrontation was bothersome. These were the folks who want their religion nice and tidy and not messy. Do you like that at all? Do you want it nice and tidy, not messy? When Jesus wept over Jerusalem, when he warned Jerusalem of a hard future, I'm betting, I'm betting people walked away. How many think that? These are the folks who want a God of good news and not hard challenges. Would you have stayed? Or would you have walked away? When the remaining crowd followed him into the temple and watched him start overturning the tables, a few more probably walked away, thinking, follow someone who's making faith so stinking difficult. And we took that coin and gave Caesar his due, said, give Caesar his due, but give God his due. And Jesus was taking on Rome. Because what he was saying was that he knew that Caesar considered himself a god. And Je Jesus was saying, that just ain't true. And people got nervous. And so they walked away. So did some of us. 
And when the crowd heard later in the week that he was arrested, I think more wrote him off. Not worth following, some would think. And finally, when he was crucified, there was but a small handful on hand. And you begin to realize, even for Jesus, fame is fleeting. In a week's time, Jesus went from cheering crowds to stunning silence. And people ran away from Jesus. And I get it. Do you get that? I get it. You know, sometimes I like to think more highly of myself than I. <laughs> but I thought about this week and I went, you know, I think there's times that all I want is a Palm Sunday Jesus. That's to my shame. Smiling, waving, riding that cute little donkey. Giving people a thumbs up. You know that Jesus that endorses our political beliefs, no matter how unbiblical they might be. You know, our way of life, no matter how self-indulgent it might be. Our use of money, no matter how self-serving it might be. We, 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 we wanted Jesus that we can visit along the parade route. Jesus doesn't ask us much of anything. He will rescue us from anything we seek him. We, seek, we ask him to immediately. And who's even willing to take a selfie with us if we, if we want him to. That Jesus? That Jesus doesn't exist. Because the real Jesus will challenge the Pharisee within us, will tell us the things we'd rather not hear. He will rattle our cage. He will challenge the political and economic realities of our life and will ask us to stand up for him no matter what the cost. He will demand that we share in his sufferings and that we will trust him for all things and that we will believe in him even at those in those times when we want to throw in the towel. towel. That's a different kind of Jesus. His crowd isn't as big as the crowd lining the road on Palm Sunday. It's smaller, but it's not frivolous. It counts the cost of discipleship. It's willing to risk everything for the sake of Christ. It's willing to surrender all. That's what this service is all about. ask you to consider whether or not you're buying into a Palm Sunday Jesus or you're buying into a Jesus that asks us to surrender all to him. Holy Week calls us to something deeper than cheering on the parade route. He stands before us this week and we should enter in because this week can be a profound spiritual experience. He says, I'm on this journey this week. You need to know I'm doing it because I love you. He says, I'm going to do something about the very deepest core needs at the core of your being. And he asks us this question, will you give me your life? He says, come to me. Come back to me. Let me hold you. Allow me to carry your burdens. And this Jesus doesn't force himself on us. He's eager, though, for us to say yes. And, 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 and to share in his sufferings during this week so that we can experience anew the power of resurrection. Amen? Amen. Mighty God, thank you. Lord, as attractive as it is just to be a Palm Sunday Christian, I don't want it. 
And I know these folks here don't want it either. Lord, you do something here during this holy week. Just remind us of who we really need to be. Affirm us in those places where you know we are working and doing it right. Reveal to us, Lord, those places where we can, we just need to yield to you. And then, Lord, next week, may we truly experience resurrection, the power of it. Amen.